Well, today we're going to end this short, short series that we've been in for the past three weeks on everyday heroes. And if you've been here to hear any of these messages, you know that in this series we've been learning that God created each one of us to be a hero to someone, to several someones in some way. We've been learning that God created us and called us to help someone in some way. We've been learning that he can move us from feeling like a zero to a hero to help someone or several someones in some way. I want to drive that thought home in your heart this morning. This morning, the Bible says this, we, who? We, you and me, we are God's masterpiece. So turn to somebody next to you and say, you're, you're a masterpiece, all right? All right? Okay, guys, especially your wives, right? <laughs> Tell your wives. You are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God has never, get this in your heart, he has never, ever once seen you as a zero. Maybe you felt like a zero. Maybe you didn't feel like anybody knew you or trusted you or felt you could ever do anything, but he never thought of you as a zero. He never intended you to feel like a zero. When God created you, he created this masterpiece, something extremely special created by the master himself. Amen? Oh, say amen. amen. I could stop right now. That's good enough to go home and dwell on, isn't it? By his own hand, he created a masterpiece, and that is you. A masterpiece, that is you. And when he created you, he created you to be a hero to someone, several someones, in some way. How? By doing the good things that he planned for you to do. When he was creating you, he was planning, I want this person to do this good thing in life. When he was creating you, he was planning those good things for you to do long before you were born. And the Bible says this, and he, God, is able to do immeasurably more in us, for us, through us than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So listen close. If you've invited Jesus Christ in your life, if you've asked him to forgive your sins and come into your life, if you've asked him to be your Savior and your Lord, there is a power at work inside of you that is far beyond any power that you can master on your own. There's a power. It is the power of God Almighty, and that power can enable you to do things you never, ever thought that you could do. And his power, when it's released to work inside of you, can move you from feeling like a zero to a hero. Listen, church, God wants to do something great in you. But he also wants to do something great through you. Through your life here on earth. He wants to do something great through you that will live on long after you. So God not only wanna, wants to bless your life here and now and let you have a fun, good, prosperous life, but God wants to do something through you that will live on long after you're done here. He wants to do something eternal through you. He has a plan for you. You are a masterpiece of God created to do greater good than you ever dreamed possible by the power that he freely releases to you 
And as he does that, you will do good things in his name. So the question every follower of Jesus should be asking is not, Lord, what can you do for me? But here's the question, Lord, by your power, what can I do for you? Lord, by your power, how would you have me serve you? Lord, by your power, what can I do to serve someone for you? That's the question. And Ephesians 2.10 says, you've been made anew in Christ so that you can do the good things that he planned for us to do. God's plan is for every member in this church family to be a minister. Not a minister that has to stand on this stage. Not somebody who ministers the word of God in one of our classrooms teaching children. Maybe, but not necessarily so. But he wants every one of us to minister to someone in some way. To do good things for someone. So every single seat, every person in this this room, God wants you to do something good for someone. Now, God has put some passion, some dream in your heart. Some good thing that he wants you to do. And maybe you're already figuring what that is right now. Maybe God's speaking to your heart right now. And he's just waiting for you to say, yes, I'll do that. He's just waiting for you to step out and get involved. And when you do, he will empower you. And he will move you from feeling like some zero that you don't count to being a hero to someone or several someones. And that's exactly what one man in the Bible did. That's exactly what he did. And his name is Gideon. This morning I want to talk with you about Gideon. Because God moved him from zero to hero. I mean, the Bible makes it clear Gideon was a nobody. He was not some hero. He was a zero. In fact, the Bible tells us that Gideon was the youngest member in the weakest family in the smallest tribe of Israel. A zero. (laughs) Nobody knew Gideon. Nobody was looking to Gideon to do anything special. If there was ever a zero, it was Gideon. In fact, the only thing remarkable about Gideon was that there was nothing remarkable about Gideon. (laughs) Nobody was looking to him. In fact, when Gideon first shows up in the Bible, he's not preparing to do something really good for God or for anybody else. He's not sharpening his sword. He's not preparing to go to battle. He's not gathering troops to take on all the bad guys and change the world. No, he's not doing that. Instead, when he first shows up in the Bible, Gideon is hiding. He's full of fear, and he's hiding. But once Gideon decides to follow and obey God, God uses him to do some heroic things for the good of all the Israelites. God uses Gideon in ways he never dreamed In fact, God uses Gideon to set the entire nation of Israel free. Now, you may remember his story. He's the guy who defeated an army of 135,000 men with 300 men. That's the guy we're talking about. But how did he move from hiding from the enemy in a wine press to being a hero who sets the nation free? How did he move from being a complete zero to a national hero? Well, he did three specific things. And if you and I do these things, God will use us to become a hero to someone or several someones in some way. 
in a way that will live on long after we're gone. Write this down. First, Gideon got a call from God. He got a call. In the midst of some really bad things going on in his nation, in the midst of some really bad things going on among the Israelite people, Gideon got a call to do something special about the problem. Take a look at what the scripture says. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he, God, gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So here we are. Moses is now dead. Joshua helped them get across into the promised land. He's now dead and gone. They've now lived in the promised land, promised to them by God, for over 300 years. They've been living in this promised land, and they have prospered. They have done well in the promised land. But during that time, they had forgotten the God who got them there. They had wandered away from God. They began to worship the idols and the other gods that people nearby them were worshiping and following. Again and again, they turned their backs on this God who took them into the promised land, and the Bible says they did evil in his sight. And so God decided to let them go their own way, to do their own thing, and he allowed them to be overcome and ruled by another group called the Midianites. And then when the Midianites came in, they would cry out to God, help us, God, deliver us, God, and God would do that. He would deliver them. But then again and again, over and over, they kept turning their backs on God, wandering away from God. And so God finally just let them go and allowed the Midianites to rule. So here's Gideon and the Israelites. They've got a call from God to be the people of God. But they ignored God. They disobeyed God. And here's lesson number one this morning. Write this down. If you worship other gods, there will be consequences. There'll be consequences. If you wander off from God's ways, worship other gods, God's not going to stop you, but at the same time, you can't expect him to protect you. There will be consequences for your sins. Take a look at this story. The Bible says this. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts. So they had to leave their homes. They had to go up into the mountain clefts, caves and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and Amalekites and other eastern people, all kinds of kites, amen, <laughs> they invaded the country. Look at this. They camped on the land. They ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. So an angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, the Abbey Ezrite, where the son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now look at those last two words, mighty warrior. I can imagine when the angel said those words and gave that title to Gideon, it had to stop him in his tracks. <laughs> what are you talking about? Me? Mighty warrior? Me? Because at that moment, he'd been living in a severe oppression of the Midianites for over seven years. He, he and his family were starving. 
They had very little to eat. At that moment, he was actually hiding in the bottom of a wine press that looked something like this. That's an ancient wine press where they'd bring their harvest of grapes. They would throw the grapes in. Then they'd walk on top of the grapes. The juice would go to the bottom. The juice would drain out into another vat. And so the vat was empty. The wine press was empty. So he jumps in there. And so there he is, and he'd gone there to do two things. One, to take the grain that he was able to harvest before the Midianites got it. And there he was walking on it, threshing it to break the outer husk open so he could get the wheat inside. So there he is threshing it, but he was also there to hide himself and his food and his grain, trying to keep it from being seen and taken from the, by the Midianites. But in the midst of this long seven-year trial, what's God do? God shows up and he calls Gideon to do something. He shows up and he calls him to move from being a wheat harvester to a mighty warrior. And I just can't imagine Gideon's response. I mean, here's Gideon, the youngest member in the weakest family, in the smallest tribe of Israel. And he says, me, mighty warrior, you better go, God, to the strongest family in the biggest tribe of Israel and get some of those big, strong guys. I'm the, I'm the boy. I'm the youngest member in my family. And God, you're calling me? And you're calling me mighty? You're calling me warrior? Can you imagine his response? He didn't feel like a mighty warrior. He didn't see himself as one. But listen, God did. God did. In fact, God created him to be a mighty warrior. God created him to fill that job, to do that here on earth in this life. So here's lesson three. Let God tell you who you are. You may be telling yourself, and maybe you've been telling yourself all your life, I'm a zero, I don't matter, I'm nothing, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I don't make enough. Listen. Let God give you your name. Let God give you your title. He might just say, you're a mighty warrior. Amen? Let God tell you who you are. Don't, don't you tell God who you are. Let him tell you who you are. Because he knows better than you know as far as who you are. He knows the good things he's created you to do. But in spite of all that, look at how Gideon responded. So he said to the angel, but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. And so here God calls Gideon to be a mighty warrior. And the first thing Gideon does is he begins to question God. Why? Where? You've abandoned us. He accuses God. And so he's coming after God. But the Lord, through the angel, turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. Save Israel from Midian's hand. Am I, God, not sending you? You see, it's like Gideon was saying, God, why don't you do something about our situation? And God comes to Gideon and he says, Gideon, why don't you do something? <laughs> why don't you do something about it? I created you to be mighty warrior, and I, God Almighty, I am sending you. So God was calling Gideon, the youngest member in the weakest family of the smallest tribe of Israel, to be a mighty warrior to do something really good for several someones. He was calling him to be a life changer for the people of Israel. 
So God was saying to Gideon, I know you feel unequipped. I know you feel underqualified, but go in the strength that you do have. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like God was calling you to do something, but you didn't do it because you didn't feel adequate? You didn't have the strength, didn't have the time, didn't have the education, didn't have the resources, and so you just didn't do what God asked you to do? Lesson number three is this. If God sends you, the job can be done by you. If God sends you, he knows that the job can be done by you. God never calls you to do a job that can't be done by you. God never calls you to do a job without making his power that's working inside of you available and released to you. The Bible says this. If you wait for perfect circumstances, you'll never get anything done. So just step out and go and do what God sends you to do. And he will empower you. Now, I have a philosophy of ministry, and it's called simply this. It's called tag it, you're tagged, you're it. My philosophy of many, my ministry. Tag, you're it. Basically, it means if you see something that needs to be changed, something that's not right, something that could be done better, if you're complaining about it, tag, you're it. <laughs> tag, you're it. So here's Gideon. What's he doing? He's complaining about all the stuff that's going wrong. God wants you to do this. God wants you to do that. And God says, tag, you're it. Go, mighty warrior. And so you see, if you see something that's not right, something could, could be done better, some void that needs to be filled, some direction that needs changing, God's calling you to do something to make it better. God's saying, tag, you're it. So God was saying to Gideon, you're it. Go, mighty warrior. You see, God uses people to solve problems. God uses his people to, to touch the world. And so I like to say it this way. When you're God's plan A, there is no plan B. If it's going to get done, it's going to have to get done by you. If it's going to happen, it's got to be happening by you. So look at Gideon's response back to God. So that he says, but Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. See, Gideon still thinks that God has got the wrong guy. <laughs> God, you put your hand on the wrong guy. You must be looking for that big, strong guy in the biggest, strongest family from the biggest tribe, not me. But listen, you all know that I believe that we're all sent to represent Jesus in our city, in our community, in our world. You all know that during this next year, our goal is for each one of us to bring one. Each one bring one. But like Gideon, you might be thinking, Pastor, when you ask me to bring somebody, when you ask me to represent Jesus in my community, in my exercise group, in, my, in whatever you're in, you got the wrong guy. Pastor, you, you're asking the wrong gal to do that kind of stuff. I don't think I can do that. But here's lesson number four. God's not looking for ability, but for availability. God's not impressed with your abilities. He gave them to you. He knows what they are. So he's not impressed with your abilities. But on the other side, he's not depressed about your inabilities. What God desires most is your availability. God, yes. If that's what you're asking me to do, I'll trust you for the power to do it. That's what he's looking for. You see... God knows what you've got. 
God knows what you don't got. Excuse my grammar there, amen? He knows what you got. He knows what you don't got. So when he calls you and when he sends you, go in the strength you have and trust him to give you what you lack. Stop making excuses. Step out and start doing the thing that he's putting on your heart to do. So the question is, what is God been putting on your heart to do? What's he been calling you to do? What's he been talking to you about? What burden has he been placing on your heart? What concern has he been placing in your heart? What has been annoying you about something? Don't look at the person next to you, amen? (laughs) Those things are hints. They're clues of what God is calling you to do. And when you step out and say yes to God and make yourself available, look at this promise. The Lord answered, I, God, will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Here's lesson five. Go in the strength you have and God will give you more. Go in the strength you have and God will give you more strength than you ever dreamed to do what he's asked you to do. Now, he won't give you more strength before you go because you don't need it before you step out. But the moment you step out and go in the strength that you have, he'll give you all the strength that you need. First, Gideon got a call from God, but before he could be effective for God, he had to do something. Take a look at this. The Bible says that same night that the angel came and the Lord spoke through the angel to Gideon about going and being a mighty warrior, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal. His father and his whole family and even Gideon himself was worshiping false gods. So tear down that altar to Baal, cut down the Asherah pole behind it, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord, your God, on top of this height. So using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bowl as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. Write this down. Gideon made a sacrifice for God. Gideon got a call from God, but before he could be effective for God, he had to purify himself before God. He had to repent of his sins. He had to turn away from worshiping idols and false gods of the cultures that surrounded them. Here's lesson number six. For God to use you publicly, you've got to clean up privately. For God to use you publicly, you've got to clean up privately. Gideon had to do some house cleaning. He had to let go and turn away from some idols that he had worshipped. Folks, an idol is anything that you allow to come between you and God. It's anything that you value more than God. It's anything that you serve and spend time with more than God. That's an idol. The Bible says those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace, the grace of God that could be theirs. Listen, if you want God's grace, you've got to stop clinging to some worthless idol. If you want God's highest good in your life, you've got to stop clinging to lesser things. If you want His highest good in your life, you've got to let go and stop clinging to temporary things. If you want His highest good in your life, you've got to stop clinging to immoral things. So God is saying to Gideon, I want to usually you publicly, 
But before I can, you've got to clean up privately. So if you want my blessing, says God, if you want my presence in your life, says God, if you want my power in your life, says God, you have to go beyond, and you've got to do something. You've got a clean house. That's the next step. And then I will let you go beyond what you've ever dreamed or imagined possible. But first, you've got a clean house. So that's what Gideon did. He sacrificed his idols. He got rid of them, put them on the altar, burnt them all up. And he turned back to God. So first, Gideon got a call from God. He said, I think you got the wrong guy. Second, then Gideon made a sacrifice for God and said, I'm turning back, God. I'm coming back. And then, write this down. Then Gideon was anointed by God. He was anointed. So take a look at this. Because Gideon did what God asked him to do, because he made the sacrifice and turned away from sinful things, then God anointed him. Take a look at what the Bible says. Then, after he sacrificed Turn back to God. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him, the troops, his people, to follow him. So first came the call. Then came his sacrifice. Look at this. Then came the anointing of God. Don't miss the significance of all of this. God called Gideon to be a hero for God's people long before he ever changed his life. So God will come to us even when our lives aren't perfect, even when we got sin in our lives, God comes and says, come on. <laughs> come to me. Let's go. I created you to be a mighty warrior. Come on. Let's go. But then a life change was required before God would anoint him and give him the power to become a hero. Here's lesson number seven. God's power comes after repentance. Folks, we all want to be anointed with God's power. We all want to have God's power released in our life. But to get it, we've got to turn away from our sins. Those private things that maybe nobody else knows about. We all want to be heroes. We all want to help rescue people in need. We all want to do good. But to get the power we need to do that, we've got to turn away from our idols. Now that's what God is calling us to do. But what is this anointing of God's spirit? Well, it's very simple. It's the coming of God's supernatural power upon you that allows you to accomplish far more than you ever dreamed. Allows you and enables you to accomplish things far beyond your own ability. That allows you and enables you to make an eternal difference that will live on after you. And how do you get that kind of power? Well, you simply ask God for it. You prepare yourself to receive it by letting go of sinful things. And then you step out to do what God is asking you to do in faith that he'll give you his power. And when you step out to do those things, his power comes. I've experienced that throughout my whole life. When you step out in faith, the power comes. So if God convicts you, of some sinful thing in your life. You just confess it. And you say, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong, you're right. And then you renounce it. And then you release it. 
and you receive God's forgiveness for it. And then you run into the job that he's called you to do. And then the anointing of God's power will come upon you. So what's God calling you to do? That's the question. Is he calling you to save a nation, a whole nation like Gideon? Probably not. Our nation needs saving. Anybody want to say amen? Probably not, but he may. Is God calling you to serve your community? Absolutely. Someone in your city? Absolutely. Is he calling you to to serve somebody in this church family? Absolutely. Is he asking you to get involved in some kind of ministry? Absolutely. No doubt about it. God has a plan for you that's greater than you. He wants you to do something that will live on after you. But whatever he's asking you to do, he's just waiting for you to say yes. He's waiting for you to go in the strength you have and trust him for the power you need. That's what Gideon did. And God empowered him to defeat an army of 135,000 men with just 300 men. God empowered him, this person who felt like a zero, who was hiding in a wine press. And God turned him into a national hero. And God is just waiting to use you to become a hero to someone's life. Someone that God is calling you to. The Bible says this. He, God, is able to do immeasurably more than all we ever ask or even imagine asking according to His power that is at work within us. Would you read that scripture out loud with me? Everybody clear your throat. throat) All right? Read that out loud with me. Here we go. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Gideon got a call from God. Then Gideon made a sacrifice for God. Then Gideon was anointed by God, and the rest is history. A zero became a hero. Do what Gideon did. And folks, you'll be amazed at what God can do through you. You can be an everyday hero in your home, at your workplace, wherever God sends you. Follow the lessons that Gideon learned and you'll be amazed at what God can do through you. This morning, I'm going to encourage you to just stand with me for a moment. Just stand. God has a plan for you that's probably bigger than you ever dreamed. God's got plans for this church family larger than most of us have ever dreamed. And so this morning, would you surrender to whatever God is calling you to do? And I want to encourage you to do this. Would you stop hiding in your home, in your job? in your comfort zones, in your workplace. He was in a wine press. Would you stop hiding and would you just come out and say, God, here I am. Whatever you want me to do. Would you let go of any idols that are hindering you, some things private in your life that you need to clean up? Would you ask God to empower you and then step out and say, God, I'm here to serve you. If that's what you're willing to do, I want to invite you to do something this morning to just show God that you're serious. 
I want to encourage you to stretch out your hands and just like Gideon, put all of his idols and all of his sins on the altar for God. Would you just kind of stretch out your hands and turn them over and say, God, here you go. (laughs) Here's my stuff. The stuff you want to clean up privately, and here am I. And would you pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it? Would you say, Father God, I stand here today to say yes to you and to whatever you're calling me to do. I stand before you to let go of the idols and the impure things in my life. Today I renounce them. Today I ask for your forgiveness for them. Forgiveness for my involvement with them. And now I ask that you empower me to accomplish the things to which you are calling me. And I will trust you to empower me as I step out for you. Father, great things you have in store for every person here. You've called each one of us to be a minister to someone in some way. Lord, take us to the next step. Take us to the new level. As individuals and as a church family. Father, today, today we're saying yes. We're saying yes to you. Have your way. Work in us. Work through us. Make us all that you've called us to be as a church family. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.